Coffee Bible Church, if it's your first time here or your 550th time here, I'm glad that you're here. Um, we are in the, uh, we're continuing our study through the Gospel of Mark uh, this morning, and we're going to answer this morning one of the most difficult questions that people ask about Christianity here this morning. Uh, well, I'm going to give you not just a good answer, I'm going to give you God's answer on this question, okay? Um we're going to get in Mark chapter 4 here this morning, not just Jesus' teaching, but we're going to get Jesus' teaching about his teaching. We're going to get inspired words and inspired interpretation of his own word. So this is a unique place. And the, the hard question we're going to answer is this. Whenever you share the gospel with somebody and you start talking to them about how salvation comes to them as a gift of God by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. They're going to say to you this, well, if what you're saying is true, then that means that I can believe in Christ and then live however I want. Right? Now, let me say this, okay? If you have not explained the gospel to someone sufficiently so that they could draw that erroneous conclusion, then you have not explained it rightly and properly and biblically. Okay, if you have not said to somebody that that God's grace uh, comes to us in salvation for free and that there's nothing we can do to earn it, deserve it, merit it on our own, then you have not explained it right. Because that is what the Bible, in fact, says and teaches. Uh, And so if nobody ever gets confused when you are explaining the gospel, you're probably offering them some measure of works based salvation. Okay, uh, you want somebody to ask you this question. Well, if that what you're saying is true, then that means I can believe in Christ and live however I want. The answer to that statement is no, it doesn't mean that. But that erroneous conclusion better come up in your gospel presentation or you haven't preached it right. Okay, um, and we would say, no, that's not so. Because first of all, a person who is truly converted and who is a believer in Christ uh, is someone whose heart has been changed such that they no longer do what they want but what God wants. And that increasingly those two divergent ideas of what God wants and what I want as you mature in Christ come together so that it's what you want as well as what God wants, right? Um, that's the short answer. The, the slightly longer answer is this, is the one given by Jesus, okay? Um, um, but let me ask it, ask this question, get at this question another way, okay? Uh, if a person were to do what this person you're sharing Christ with has asked you, if they were to believe in Christ and then live however they wanted, is that person a real Christian? Yes or no? Let me ask it a little harder way. Let's sketch a scenario for you. Imagine that you are a person who has grown up in church, who has learned all the stories of the Bible in Sunday school, who has memorized scripture in Awana, who goes on the youth group mission, uh, missions trip, who's been baptized, who has a testimony of their profession of faith in Christ. And then imagine that this person walks away from the faith and starts speaking of their Christianity in the past tense. I have known people like this. I bet you have too. 
who, who say, when you talk to them about, well, how is it that you uh, don't seem to be honoring Christ with your life? They say, ah, yes, my Christian days, my Christian days back when. A story that differs maybe slightly in the details but not in the outcome is the story of a lot of people in our culture. Uh, whether you're talking about uh, New Testament scholars like Bart Ehrman uh, or you're talking about musicians like Bob Dylan who has a Christian testimony from back when, put out three albums of Christian music back in the early 80s. But who now says about those times, you know, I don't really know who I was back then. Or, like I say, a New Testament scholar like Bart Ehrman, who uh, grew up in church, uh, was a member of InterVarsity when he was in college, uh, who is no more committed to following Jesus Christ than I am capable of flying. And yet he is the leading New Testament scholar at a popular level in the whole country. Uh, are such people Christians? Not that they lost their salvation, because biblically that's impossible. You can't lose eternal life. You can't used to have something that's everlasting. <laughs> okay? <laughs> um, it just doesn't make sense, right? You can't used to have eternal life. Um, not that you lose your salvation, but did these people ever in fact possess salvation? That's the question. Are they Christians? What does the Bible say? Well, here's, here's Jesus' answer to that hard question. Can you live as you want and claim to be an authentic follower of Jesus Christ? Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. And he taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, Listen, the farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so they did not bear grain. And still other seed fell on good soil, and it came up, grew, and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown, and as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. 
Others, like the seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Thirty, sixty, or even a hundred times what was sown. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. This is a tough parable. This is one that comes with barbs on it. Okay? This is tough teaching. But I want you to hear what God's word says on this. Okay? Here at the beginning of chapter 4, Jesus' ministry is one that's in transition. He is, has rising popularity with the people, but at the same time, rising opposition from the religious leaders of his day. And he knows that many people in the crowd, as we saw last week, are following him purely for the spectacle, because it's quality entertainment, watching demons get cast out, and uh, people get healed, and men with shriveled hands have their hand come back to being fully restored and crippled guys getting lowered down through the hole in the roof and getting up and walking out. I mean, that's, that's, would you give 10 bucks to see that? I would. (laughs) Okay. I might give a lot more than that. Okay. I want, that's quality entertainment. And there's lots of people, it's better than the Super Bowl, even though my team's in it. Um, By the way, those of you who are tired of mediocrity, come on in. <laughs> okay. Uh, we accept converts over in the AFC. But um, in any case, uh, there are a lot of people who are following Jesus purely for the spectacle, and Jesus knows that. There are a lot of people who are following Jesus simply because they're looking for a way to trap him in something so they can set him up accuse him, and have him killed. Remember we talked last week about the Herodians, you know, the, 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 the uh, Roman Empire supporting, uh, Greek culture loving, uh, far out on the end of the branch liberal folks, and then you got the Pharisees that are the ultra-conservative folks, and they're getting together, you know, like Sean Hannity and Nancy Pelosi having lunch, and, and, plot, and plotting... Um, for a way to, uh, to get Jesus killed, okay? And Jesus knows that some of these folks are in the crowd. And, so, and he knows that there are some people who are interested in following him from authentic motives and some from hostile motives, and some purely for spectacle. And so he's faced with a dilemma. How do I boldly teach my authentic followers and at the same time, draw in the curious crowd so that they will be sucked into deeper exploration and maybe become authentic followers. And at the same time, not give any ammunition to the people who are hostile. How do I do that? So what he does is he, teaches, he starts teaching everything to the crowds in parables. And the word parable... Um, is, is a compound of two words, para, which means alongside, and bole, which means to throw. Okay? Uh, a parable is where, is where you are giving a story which casts the truth kind of alongside, where you have to look for it. And so Jesus is telling these stories, and to people who don't have ears to hear, who are not spiritually attuned to his message, it just sounds like kind of a goofy story. Well, that's kind of interesting. What's everybody getting out of that? That doesn't make any sense to me. 
Uh, and here in this, in this story, you know, Jesus presents this story about a farmer sowing seed, and everybody kind of goes, yeah, well, that's, that's great. And even his disciples are confused. Um, but I think the reason he's doing this is as an act of grace. Uh, remember, Jesus pronounces woes on these cities where he's done the most miracles. He says, woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. If the miracles that had been done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have remained to this day. Woe to you, Capernaum. Will you go up to the heights or will you be descend to the depths? If the deeds that had been done in you had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have remained until this day. Therefore, I tell you that on a day of judgment, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for you. In other words, to whom much is given, much is expected. And Jesus is, telling them, is starting to tell them these, parab- these things in parables in a way to hide the truth from them. Because they have already rejected the truth he has given openly. And so if he gives them more truth openly, guess what? They are more accountable before God than they were. And so to continue to reject God's truth after it has been given to you openly is to incur a greater judgment. And so God is giving, literally, grace to these people so that on the day of judgment, they do not stand as accountable as they should be before him. Uh, Which is why he quotes Isaiah. He says that they may be ever hearing but never understanding. Because if they understand and continue to reject as they have already done, then God has to judge them more severely. And so I believe it's an act of divine mercy that, God, that Jesus chooses to speak in parables to these people who are hardened against him. He's got the truth out there for those who want it, but for those who are hardened against it, it seems like just a silly story. Um, now, with that background in mind, uh, this is not a complex, hard-to-understand story. In the days before these giant uh, planting machines that we have, you know, that drill in the seed down into the soil, uh, seed was sown by hand. If you've ever sown grass seed, you understand the principle. You get the little bag, you walk around, you throw it out onto the dirt, right? Uh, and, and, the, and in a lot of places in the world, crops are still grown this way. You know, you, you take your plow and you cut your furrow and then you walk along and you drop seed down the furrow. And maybe, you, you know, you kick some dirt on it or whatever, but this is how planting is still done a lot of places in the world. And in Jesus' agricultural society, everybody not only would have been familiar with this, but probably would have done it. And so Jesus starts telling a story about a farmer who goes out to sow seed. And, and okay, everybody understands that. This is something they can identify with. And he says, and some seed fell along the path. And some fell along, among the rocks, and some fell among the thorns, and some fell on good soil. And everybody understands exactly what happened. That uh, some of it grows, and it produces crops, and good, right? And some of, them, uh, some of it does not grow, does not flourish, does not produce fruit. Again, if you've ever planted grass seed, you know that some of your seed gets immediately eaten up by the birds. Uh, Some of it grows great, and then some of it, it's like, how come I have big holes? There was seed there. Well, maybe the dandelions or the 
uh, or just the, the soil quality or there wasn't good, and you didn't get grass. Um, if you're like me, you, know, you go and buy that topsoil at Menards, and you fill in those holes and put more seed down, right? Um, uh, but Jesus is giving a, an illustration, and and then people, his disciples, come to him later, and they go, okay, now, what was the point of that? Okay, well, I got the seed and the sower and all that. What is the point? And Jesus asked them a question. If you don't understand this, how do you understand anything I'm going to say? This is basic. And they go, well, fill us in. One of the reasons, by the way, just as, this is a total aside. One of the reasons that I think that the Gospels are true is because when you're inventing history, you don't make yourself as the author look stupid. <laughs> okay? And Jesus' disciples consistently come in looking like morons. Okay? In virtually every case. And the only reason you write that is if that's exactly what happened. Otherwise, you make yourself look a little better, right, when you retell the story. Um, but here in this, in this beautiful little story, you get Jesus explaining what Jesus has just taught. This is a unique place in the Scriptures. Normally, we get teaching, but we don't get divine-inspired interpretation. This is what this means. Here we get it. Uh, Jesus says, look here. The farmer is the one who sows the word. The seed is the word, and the farmer is the one who sows it. Now, obviously, in, in, the, in this context, it's Jesus himself who is going out sharing the message. And the types of seed are four different reactions, where the seed falls are four different reactions to the word going out. The farmer sows the word, and, and as he preaches God's word, he spreads it wide. And the four types of soils represent four types of people. And initially, the farmer here stands for Jesus himself, but later it stands in for every person who, as the representative of God, declares his word. Uh, as Rick is fond of asking us, how many ministers do we have here today? Raise your hand. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a minister of the gospel of Christ. And you are in someone who has been entrusted with the message of reconciliation with God through the gospel. And so just like my job is to share the gospel, God's word, with people, so is yours. Okay? So this, you can write yourself in here if you're a believer in Christ as the farmer. And these are four different types of people you're going to encounter. It's also one of four different types of people you might be in your response to the word. Okay? Jesus says that some of the People who hear his word are like seeds spread on the path. Now, your Bible might read in your translation, on the road. The idea is the same. Most of the roads back in those days, as you know, were dirt. And as people and animals and so forth walked on these dirt paths, they get hard packed. And, they, you know, it's just like trails through the woods in a park. And it, it's... You know, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people and animals and feet packing this dirt. And just like no grass grows on those paths through the woods, no, nothing grows on this. The soil is not loose enough. It's packed too hard. And God's word lands on it, and it is immediately carried away because it does not penetrate into the heart of the person. 
Um, you know, this is the person that you are sharing the gospel with, and f- for all of the gospel in- it, gospel's impact on them, you could be reading them recipes off the Food Network because they are, have no spiritual awareness, they have no spiritual vitality or life to them at all, and it just kind of comes in and like bullets off Superman's chest, you know, just kind of quang, you know, and, and Satan carries it away. It does not rest on their soul and penetrate their heart and grow. They're hardened to God's word. And there are people like that. Maybe you're one of them. Uh, The next type of soil is a little different. This type of person that Jesus describes as rocky soil. And these are the type of people that one uh, cynic had in mind when he said, Christianity is an initial spasm followed by chronic inertia. There's some truth to that. Christianity is an initial spasm followed by chronic inertia. In other words, there's kind of this flurry of activity at the beginning and then nothing. These are the people that Jesus is talking about when he refers to the rocky soil. He says, these are the people who give you this hasty and enthusiastic profession of faith. And they go, yes, I want that. I want to follow Jesus. But there's no root to the plant. And as soon as they encounter any kind of difficulty, uh, their profession of faith goes away. They're like cut flowers left out in the sun. They just, and just wilt. Okay? And according to Jesus... These people are not genuine Christians. These are not genuine Christians. Uh, they, they aren't converted. They're a little better than the folks who are the hardened people of the path. But in the end, the, the result is the same. They remain unconverted. Their life is not changed. And they remain separated from God. And this is the condition of a lot of people in Jesus' day. It's also the condition, incidentally, of a whole lot of people in churches here in America. They had an initial kind of flurry of enthusiasm and then nothing. The next soil is the thorny soil. And according to Jesus, these are people who hear the word but never let it gain supremacy in their heart. They hear the word, they're excited about it. They go, oh, this is great stuff. But all of the competing desires of their life choke this thing out. Um, I, I don't know how many of you have ever been to the south, but they have this weed down there that they imported in the 30s to control erosion called kudzu. Okay, And kudzu is this plant that is is unbelievable you can almost hear it grow okay it's like and it just takes over everything and when it grows up a tree pretty soon it chokes that tree off and it crowds out grass and flowers and trees and everything it just takes over okay and jesus has in mind this kind of a person that they have let kudzu grow in their heart, 
to such a degree that it chokes out any opportunity for God's word to grow. And he talks about three things. He says, the distracting worries of this life, the deceptive lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. These are the people who want to follow Jesus, but maybe I'd like to, well, worry about retirement or paying for my kid's college or make a little more money or I'd really like a nicer car, a bigger house. Um, I really, Lord, you know, I'd like to follow you, but, I, you know, I'd like to get a girlfriend first. Uh, I'd like to get married first, maybe have a couple of kids first. And they, they, they're interested in Jesus, but other things always take priority over following Jesus. And because Jesus will not be second to anything, the word does not grow in their life. I'd rather be, I'd rather be greedy. I'd rather pursue something else, anything else. Maybe when I'm old and decrepit, I'll follow Jesus. After all, isn't that what Christianity is, a religion for old people and women? And I, I don't really want to do that. And I want to devote my life to other stuff right now. I'm having too good a time. I'm distracted by this or that or the other thing. And all these weeds grow up and they just choke out any opportunity for the word to grow. Uh, they never actually get around to obeying, loving, and following Jesus. And their lives never bear fruit. And they might claim to be Christians, but the absence of fruit indicates that they're not. And Jesus says that they're not. Uh, if you have a fruit tree, I used to have some in our, our house over in, in Iowa, and I loved them. They were great. We had an apple tree, and we had a couple of pear trees, and we got fruit like crazy about every other year off these pear trees. And about every other year, we'd get a ton of fruit on the apple tree. Our neighbors had one, so we only had to have one to make it work. And, and it was great. But if you have an apple tree and no apples... You don't have an apple tree, right? Um, uh, if you have if you have uh, if you have wheat that grows foxtails, it's not really wheat, is it? It's foxtail. Might look kind of like wheat. I mean, the shape of the ear is kind of the same. Might turn that same color brown in the fall, but it's not really wheat. And where there is no fruit, there is no life. If your apple tree stops bearing, it's because it is dead. Okay? Uh, if there is no fruit, there is no life. They never receive, these people in the thorny soil never receive the eternal life that could have been theirs. Now, the last type of soil is the good soil, right? This is the type that Jesus calls all men and women and children to be, the good soil. These are the people who receive God's word, and in contrast to all the others, it says they, they hear the word, they accept it, and they produce a crop. How do you know they're alive? Because they're giving off fruit, like a fruitful thing should. Um, 
And in fact, the quality of the soil varies depending on the person, but good soil produces a crop 30, 60, or 100 times what was sown, right? Uh, this message is, I, I designed this to be a relatively short message, um, but this comes down to this, this question, this whole message comes down to this question, what kind of soil are you? When God's word comes into your life, what kind of soil are you? How have you responded? Not your father or mother who was a godly person, not your grandparent, not your great-great so-and-so that was a fantastic evangelist. How have you responded? It's always fun when you introduce yourself as a pastor to people. Uh, you get some interesting reactions, okay? Um, particularly if they find out after they've been talking as they normally do. That's always really great. <laughs> it's, it's worth the price of admission just for that. Uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes they'll say things, they'll, they'll start apologizing for how they've been talking, which I'm like, you know, you talk how you want. You're accountable before God for that, not me. Um, but... You know, sometimes you'll get someone who's not especially interested in the things of God or the gospel, and they'll say things like this. You know, I had an uncle that was a Methodist once. Like, somehow that rates with God. And they're, so they're telling me this because, you know, they think I've got, like, the red phone in my office and I can put in a good word. <laughs> okay. Um, a relationship with God is an individual thing. It's not, a, it's not a corporate thing, although we as a church of believers in Jesus Christ do hold some things together corporately. And we are part of the body of Christ made up of all people from all time who ever have or will believe in Christ. But the membership in it is individual. You don't get in on somebody else's dime, okay? Or on somebody else's faith or somebody else's response to God's word. So what kind of soil are you? And as you look at your life, may I suggest to you with all of the love of Christ, with all of the compassion that flows from the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in my heart, let me say to you, if you look at your life since you believed in Christ and there has been no change, it may be that it is because there has been no change. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, that you didn't actually come to faith in Christ. You had a spiritual experience. You had an, a moment of emotion uh, religiously. But you never actually placed your trust in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for your sin and his resurrection proving that he is God and that God's uh, penalty of sin was canceled out in your case. And if you've never done that, really and truly, authentically done that, bowed your heart to God and said, Father, I throw myself on your mercy for salvation. I am trusting in solely in the blood of your Son to cleanse me from my sin and in the resurrection of your Son to give me hope of having eternal life and dwelling with you forever. If you've never done that, then you have not experienced the eternal life that Jesus offered and your heart is not the good soil. 
It might be one of the other three types, but it's not the good soil that produces a crop. And if you look at your life and you say, I don't know that anything has really resulted from me becoming a Christian or acting as a Christian or going to church or whatever, then it may be because your heart is not the good soil that receives the word and bears fruit. And if that is true, let me say to you with all the love of Christ that today you hear his voice, do not turn away. Today is the day of salvation. Today, clear away the rocks, pull up the dandelions and thorns, break up the hard soil and welcome God's word into your heart and say, Father, I know I am a sinner. I know that I deserve to go to hell. I know that I am separated from you right now, and I deserve to be separated from you forever. But Father, because you love me, I know that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, not just for the sins of the world, but for my sin. And I am trusting in you to make to, that Jesus made the penalty, the payment for my penalty, for the sin debt that I owed, for the death, died the death that I deserved to die. And wiped away my sin with his blood. And I believe further, Father, that Jesus was raised from the dead, just as God's word says. And that because of that, I can have hope that my body, when it dies, will not stay in the grave but will be raised to new life, just as his was. As happened with, as Paul calls the first fruits from among the dead, so will happen with me, who is part of the full crop yet to come in, right? Don't harden your heart. Don't allow the weeds to grow. Don't allow the rocks to interfere with the plant. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Let the word of God take root and sprout and produce fruit. Let's pray.